Hello, you're listening to the abridged version of Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full-length version of Book Shambles and also get loads of other extra treats and bits and pieces, then why not go to patreon.com slash bookshambles. Anyway, here's the abridged version with loads of really interesting things that were cut out. I mean, there's lots of interesting things you're still going to hear, but some of the things you're missing out on. Hello and welcome to Book Shambles. Producer Trent here. We had a week off last week, so hopefully you used that time to catch up on any episodes you might have missed in the past few weeks. But we're back today with a new episode. We're joined by Annie McManus, who you might better know under her alias of Annie Mac, DJ on BBC Radio 1. And she has just released today, if you're listening to this uh, on the day the podcast was released, her debut novel, it's called Mother Mother. She chats about that and music and everything else with Robin and Josie on today's episode. Just before we start, thanks as always to our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash bookshambles is where you can go to subscribe to the Patreon and you'll get extended episodes each and every week of the Book Shambles podcast, plus you get tips for existence and an uncanny hour to exclusive podcast series, documentary series, just for Patreon supporters. So make sure you check that out. Quick plug as well for the Science Shambles podcast, which comes out every week and also is a live stream on Sundays. We're moving to 10am on a Sunday now, so it's a morning show Live Q&A with, hosted by Robin and Helen Chesky and different guests each week. The most recent episode, uh, we marked the 30th anniversary of the first ever Brit in space, which was, of course, Helen Sharman. And she was our special guest on that episode, along with Kevin Fong. So go to cosmicshambles.com slash science shambles, and there's all the links to subscribe there. And if you can't support us on Patreon, you can like and rate and review Five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to the show. Enough admin. Here is today's episode. Here is Robin and Josie and Annie. Um, Hello. Welcome to Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. Uh, I'll get straight into it today. Today we are talking with Annie McManus, uh, author of Mother Mother, who is also known as uh, the Radio 1 DJ Annie Mack, which she's just retired from being the right, or about to. You you, you made your announcement uh, on on Greg James the other morning, and uh, uh, with that, let's get right. I loved Mother Mother. I think it's a fantastic novel. I am so intrigued as we were talking about before we start recording this um, about there are so many remarkable books coming out now, which are about. I mean, we were talking before we started. Shug, Shuggy Bane, that bit mm. where you like there's a point in your novel quite early on where I just put my hands up you know I was like oh no oh no this thing has happened and now everyone's life will be terrible and all their futures are ruined and I'm gonna you know and it's that bit what's the thing which point (laughs) there's a I'm not going to reveal anything because we made this mistake the other day we were interviewing someone and because we'd read the whole book we would suddenly say I mean the bit where he dies (laughs) I mean you're not expecting because he's just gone to trim the hedge and then you go oh that's page 378 and it's the 380 page novel Uh, this Ruined it. The incident which occurred involving one of the characters. (laughs) To keep it really cryptic. Well, I, I, because this is all so new to me. Every time a friend or someone I knew read the book, I would be like, "What's happening?" I'm going, "What page you on now? What's happened? What conversation has she had? Has she done this yet?" And and they're just like, "Let me read the book." But I mean, I literally went running commentary of how everyone feels after every chapter and. I was just obsessed with people's reading experience. So um, now I want, you have to tell me after, Robin, 
that bit. Well, I can tell you. Well, I, I, what I wanted to ask a bit about the fact that, you know, this is your first novel and it is um, a, a completely different, like, sphere to, like, yeah. other parts of your work. And how has it felt to sort of know that it's out there and know that the feedback is such, so different and, and know the responses come so slowly? Oh, it's the whole thing has been such a learning curve. Like from the very beginning, when I was told that it was going to be a year and a half from when I handed in the novel to when it was coming out, I was like, what? But the the whole world could have turned upside down by then, which it did. Um, But yeah, so so just learning how books work and how publishing works has been has been a huge thing. Um, You know, it feels like everyone's really nice in the book world. Um, and compared to the music world, which feels a little more cutthroat. Um, but also, I think the bit that I found, the, you know, I was saying to Robin before we press record, there was two main things. One was me having spent in my entire life being the kind of curator. So, so saying yes or no to playing songs by people, mm-hmm. playing other, other people's art, to now being on the other side of that mm-hmm. by being the person who's made the art or like the creator and making myself vulnerable to other people deciding whether they like it or not and and one of the things I found really just a bit mind-blowing in in the process is soliciting people for quotes that (laughs) bit I could I couldn't get my head around that I it was like I don't want to ask ask people to read my book because what if they don't like it and then and then it's just so awkward because if they don't say anything, it's very apparent that they don't want to do the quote and they don't like it. And and, and, I, and I don't want to put them through that. And, and, and just so idea- it isn't, it might be that they think, oh God, I'm terrible at getting books read and I can't do it. And I don't want to let yeah. them down. Like you can't even, you can't even let that worry you really. I, I, I guess it was kind of that married with my total um, lack of confidence in the book and, and, and like, and my total insecurities about its worth and its value so it's that it's kind of me feeling like the book was never going to be good enough feeling that that imposter syndrome but also then kind of soliciting people for quotes I just found the whole thing a bit excruciating to be honest and and then you have that weight because obviously it takes people ages to read books because they have four more they have to read before years so you're just like going bananas waiting for some sort of a thing and then I felt annoyed with myself I was like why why does it all depend on getting a quote from people like can't I just be proud of the process and 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 I don't know it just the whole thing where you're kind of where you do your art and then you have to ask other people for quotes and kind of gain approval from them I found that quite quite I've never been in a world where that exists before where those where those quotes really matter so much from your peers um and so that was quite mad but I'm over it now and I've learned that everyone's really nice and now that I'm getting books sent to me I get it I'm like yeah of course I'll do you a quote I'd love to do a quote and you know it's kind of you you learn that everyone just wants to uplift each other in in a really lovely way it seems did you have any sorry Jason no no you do please no I just I was just wondering was there a point when you were talking about choosing which records to play as you first started sending this book out to the world, did you think this is the time where I find out that I'm making this up because I'm sure you probably you played them a lot, but yeah. this is the I'm time that it turns coat, out the, uh, the bass player from Savages is now in charge of all publishing. And I remember when I refused to play their second <laughs> single. You know, is, is there that bit where were the certain yeah. records that you look back and bits of music where you think, why did I reject that? That turned out to be yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And now, yeah. now the revenge of the music world. Yeah. 
luckily there wasn't luckily <laughs> that th- luckily there was no there was no one no every everyone was uh it, it's it's been it's been the, the only kind of interlinking person in the whole thing has been sarah cox who's who's a, who's a very old friend and wanted to read it because she's writing fiction and we would do we just talk about it all the time and she gave a quote but she's the only person from the kind of my my professional world that has kind of bled into this whole new world it's a cool new group of writers isn't it the thing that like you and her going ahead becoming novelists is really it's like a really cool swerve for you both <laughs> it's really exciting actually yeah so she did the memoir and then um and then yeah so we, we we've just been talking a lot about writing fiction and sharing our experiences um but yeah I mean what what a wonderful swerve I mean I just love the idea of that being something that you do for a living like wow I'm, I'm really excited about it I hope I get to do it more my thing with this book has always been like if I could just write a book that affords me to write more mm. that would be amazing if you know yeah. what I mean yeah well I was just gonna say you were saying that you've been wanting to do this for a long time but was it this yeah. story and these characters that you'd kind of had sort of with you for a long time how did this novel yeah. come to be so absolutely not this 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 story it wasn't like i had to write this story and i've been waiting to write it it was more just i wanted to write and i wrote a scene and the scene kind of spiderwebbed out into the novel and i again didn't know what i was doing didn't know how you wrote a novel was sure that you were supposed to know how the novel ends before you start it um and uh actually it was a book called where is it it's here look this book saved my bacon stephen king on writing um it's kind of half memoir half um like how to write a book but in a really kind of very very straight um very very um explanatory way and i just found it so incredibly helpful because he's he talked about every book he'd ever written just starting with a scene just starting with a room like misery a nurse is nursing a man in a room and there's something dodgy about it and then it just spider webs out from there and because the first scene I wrote in the book was a scene of this boy who was you know pretty worse for the wear falling out of a nightclub kind of lying on on the ground seeing these lights and thinking they were really pretty in a kind of trippy way and then realizing they were the headlights of a police car that was the first scene and um and I just started writing from there. So it really was the case of meeting these characters as they came. Like it was like discovering this, I was discovering the story for myself. You know, it wasn't in there. I mean, it, it must've been in there, but it wasn't planned, if you know what I mean. So it felt really exciting because the story was unfolding as I was writing it. Um, and I kind of wanted to know what happened next, if you know what I mean. And I didn't, which made it even more exciting. Did you ever have a moment where you th- thought, I don't really want this to happen because you must come so come so close to characters, especially Mary, obviously, and, yeah, and 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 and, uh, and her son TJ. That there's a point where you go, well, this feels like this is what's going to happen in their lives, but I want it. I don't want that to happen in their. You know that 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 yeah. seems to be because I know that some authors have talked before about the fact that they'll sometimes go, I'm so angry with that character <laughs> for doing that, and then going, but I 
created but i didn't really you know that bit of what's in the what what is conscious and what is actually almost yeah. feeling you know, I, I think that's why so many people when they say where do your ideas come from you know all of those is there is no kind of oh it turns out it's just just behind the hypothalamus there's a little <laughs> thing there and it just the ideas just little pop yeah, out yeah. there oh it'd be great you could just give it a tap if you're feeling a yeah. bit slow yeah get, get out it comes it'll be amazing yeah i mean I, I felt I just felt I felt sad for Mary, but I, I knew that I wanted to give a glimmer of hope. Hopefully that's not too revealing. Um, so that, you know, when you read about that kind of onslaught of stuff that happened to her in her life, you kind of go away with the feeling that she might be able to um, to to be happy at some point. And, and I didn't want it to be very graphic or anything it was just wanted to get to give a, a kind of an indication of that um and that's all I knew um but I did feel strongly about that for her yeah did you have I mean that 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 thing where we talked about Shuggy Bane as well, which is there's mm. a point where you just... I remember when I saw Alan Bleasdale's Boys from the Black Stuff for the first time back in whenever it was, I was a teenager, and it was the first time there's a... Uh, one of the most famous stories is one called Yossa's Story, and it's all about a guy who's lost his job and he's basically having a nervous breakdown and losing everything. Mm. And I remember that was the first time I had that sensation of this was a kid and this was someone who played in the playground mm -hmm. and this was someone who had adventures and this was someone who had all these hopes and maybe when they were you know a teenager mm -hmm. and and i felt in 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 mother mother and and in shuggy bane and some other things that turning point that point where we connect because it's very easy i think in the kind of tabloid culture and the news media culture where you just turn someone into what they are now not what has happened to them and why mm -hmm. they've become who they've become and that bit where you suddenly, that's what I was saying before about that scene where I suddenly got so worried because I thought all of this hope and all of these things you can imagine, those bits when you're lying in a field with your other teenage mates and you're mm. talking about where you're going to go and what's going to happen in your life mm. and then all mm. of those turning points. Mm. And I just felt that that exploration and the way that you do that and the fact that it bounces back and forth in time as well mm. means that the way that we can i keep forgetting that mary's only i mean at the end of the book she's what 37 years old yeah correct yeah does it feel like she's older or younger you just, i i think i just i forget if that's what i love about you is i keep going oh yeah the spice girls are her teenage it, it, <laughs> yeah. we, we get so used to reading books where they kind of exist you know it's almost a well of course literature is predominantly in a special no time that exists yeah, yeah. this is so hooked into lots of other little bits of culture as well which mean you keep seeing mm. this person it's someone that you really but which know. makes it real as well which makes you go yeah. good yes this is real yeah 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 I mean it was um it was kind of a I don't I don't uh, I think about once I handed in the first draft and then went back to actually being like right now I have to make this a proper novel like now I have to give this a really authentic sense of place I have to make it feel true to every one of her experiences and because I I made it so difficult for myself because <laughs> it's not just one year in you know time that you can really explore and research it was like an entire lifetime and every time you're zooming in on a different year of Mary's life there's a whole different cultural landscape going on so every reference from like the type of police car that drives by to the song that's on the radio everything had to be of the moment and my main build for the next book that I'm going to write is that it's all going to be set in one time <laughs> and 
it probably will be in the first person. And I just I just want to really experiment with doing it in a really extremely different way because I, f- I found I found it quite stressful the responsibility of getting every single bit right in terms of what was happening around her in Belfast, socially, politically, mm. all of those things just it had to feel like authentic. Um, and it's so much to keep in the air as well, you know, right, you're not yeah. necessarily carrying it all in your head at once, but it is so much to sort of have. I, I find the, the stress of like organising and um, structuring makes me physically sick sometimes to be like totally totally and then just like if you think of like the politics in northern ireland like i had to do a huge like timeline of everything that had happened every bombing every blast every all of that and then whatever year that we're zooming in on just look at what was happening around her at that time and just see what could you know have so it's kind of all the things in the background had to be true to, to to what was happening at the time without being dominating the story obviously it all had to feel the uh, in the background and that was one of the biggest and most helpful things I learned from some of the the people in Belfast that I worked with was that yeah we grew up in the troubles but yeah they were just our life they were never you know you hear about them from abroad and you think oh god it must have been awful but it's like that's it was just the way it was so you don't ever want those things to feel over dramatized in the book um but also you can't ignore them if you know what I mean. Have you read Thin Places yet by Kerry Nee Doherty? No. It only came out a couple of months ago. It's a memoir of right. growing up in in uh, um, in Derry. And it's, uh, oh, it's I'd brilliant. love to read anyway, that. Anyway, I'll just recommend it because it's, it's yeah. Canongate. And, uh, <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it's such an interesting in book about trying to get through a, a life of confusion and uh yeah um, yeah she's also it was uh mixed marriage in terms of protestant and catholic and just trying, wow. to, fi- trying to find your place it's, it's yeah it's such an interesting book i wanted yeah. to ask you about so you you studied english um, I did, yeah. but when you were studying english were you at what point were you thinking when did you want to like have you always been a novelist you think but you got diverted by being a DJ. Did you really want to be a DJ? And then you went, yeah, that's enough DJ now. I think it's time to be a novel. You know, how, how does that work in what your ambition was when you were there studying English? You know what? I'm, I've been looking back at that time a lot and trying to feel, trying to wonder what my aspirations were. And it, I never, ever like was like, I want to do writing for a living back then. I loved reading. I loved writing. I knew I could do it from school. And it was something I just kind of, that was just part of my life. But I was way more ambitious for like what I perceived at the time to be more exciting things. So I really want, I really wanted to be an actress. That was my first thing. I didn't get into drama school. So, so the English lit thing was just kind of like a fallback. And then um, I discovered radio and, and clubbing and, and, and kind of all of that biz. And that's when I decided that radio was going to be what I wanted to do. And that was at uni. Um, so yeah, the writing thing was never like a kind of life goal. It was just always there. And I had attempted to write books before, but never really got past, you know, a chapter one. Um, so it, it just became something that I did in the background all the time, you know, just writing journals and writing diaries. Um, and it wasn't until, yeah, I turned 40 a couple of years ago that I, that I was like, right, I really just want to do this now. And when did you, that's it, when you started writing books before, yeah. what was it that you just 
what was the stopping point was it just that you just went there's no the drive's not there and i'm not actually was it a realization that the at that point you weren't mm. really interested in being with the people you were creating for um you know i think i think i i am naturally very impulsive and very impatient any of my friends or management team would tell you that i just want to do things now mm. and i think what what it would have been is me being like that's it right I'm gonna write a book and starting and then just being distracted basically by other things going on and that's why I really for, for, for writing Mother Mother I actually took a writing course because I, I I knew what I'm I know what I'm like and I needed to kind of really try and be disciplined about starting something and getting enough words away to make me feel like uh, I could see the end of this book um, and that's what it afforded me. It was brilliant. It was six months and, and I kind of, I mean, it was only 35,000 words I came away with, but that, it, it, it felt like the momentum was there then to keep going. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think as well, sometimes like I, I need not to feel like I'm a little boat guiding itself. I need to feel like mm. I'm on a train on a track going towards a station. And so yeah. whatever you can build in, even when it's just for yourself, to create yeah. that illusion, to get this, get the work done creatively, you have to build yeah. it in so that you've got that structure. So you can't be like, oh, and I'm going off here now, I'm going off there. You're like, no, nope, the, totally. the station's in the distance. Totally. And I need structure. I crave that and I love it. And it really suits me. So I like the structural aspect of it. Um, and um, I also just loved learning. Like it's the first time I've ever done any formal learning since university. So it was kind of in, in 20 years, I'd had this mad you know high octane career mm. but just you know learning how to write was just I was lapping it up I couldn't get enough and that was like an incredible motivation as well it was just kind of the whole process of writing a novel as 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 a learning process was just so exciting to me and, and I'm still just there's so much to learn and I find that really exciting that's the thrill of this kind of thing, isn't it? It's like, it's a practice. You're always going to be coming back, learning new things, right. building on what you have learned, forgetting what you have learned, you know, relearning yeah. things. Yeah. It's, it's never going to feel like, well, I did that and it's boring, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope so. I think, I think, and, you know, just as well, like, I've, again, I've read all my life, but just reading voraciously now with a kind of with with the view of how to write a novel like reading with that in the back of your mind all the time again and just loving that as well i oh, see i want to ask you two questions about reading the first one is i'd like to ask you what books you've always yeah. treasured what books have always meant a lot to you but i also mm -hmm. would like to ask you about which books you've read you know as part of this journey that you've got most from obviously you mentioned the stephen king but i feel like maybe other novels will have sort of made you feel inspired or kind yeah. of giving you that so, so there's a book there's a book called by carol shields and that's what i was reading around the time that i decided to take a course and it's called um unless I, i'm not uh, sure if you know her work and i don't it's the only it's the first book i've ever read of her she's a canadian author i think um and it, it, it's so it's so brilliant because it's about a woman in her 40s who's writes her and um it's it, so it's a writer writing about a writer and uh it's 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 about that kind of anger that you feel I think she she's kind of just turned 40 and she just feels really angry at the world and mainly at the patriarchy um and her daughter uh leaves home and decides to become homeless and decide, doesn't want to have anything to do with their, their family and her mom is spending this this whole book trying to 
process her daughter's motivations, trying to understand it. And um, it, it's just really, really beautifully written, um, but also a, a lot about anger and frustration from a female point of view. And I don't know, it, it just really, I just found it really inspiring at the time. So that was something that really helped. Um, also, Anne Enright's. Mm. like anything by Anne Enright I just I just think she's the most wonderful author The Green Road um and and more recently The Gathering um I just love 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 her writing I find it so inspiring and then in terms of books that I've always read here's the problem I have no memory Hmm. so I was asked to do another podcast where I had to say about kind of the five books that moved me the most and 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 I had to like to ring my mom or to ring my sister I was like I don't I don't know what I used to read because we just swap books and then I give them away again and I don't ever remember the authors and I don't ever remember the titles so it's not that easy to tell you about my history of, of reading it you know but I remember reading like Judy Bloom as a kid Hmm. um, and that having an effect on me. And then through my twenties and thirties, just anything that came my way, really. Like I don't, I don't, I mean, I have a huge collection downstairs, but there's not really like (laughs) one specific author that I have everything of, if you know what I mean? It's just books that have come and go. Yeah. Can I ask about music? Do you find yeah. that when you're writing that you, because I have a friend who curates playlists depending on what type of scene he's writing or what type of book he's mm. writing. Um, did you have a relationship with certain pieces of music and certain like musicians as you were writing? Um, Not really. I didn't go that far. But there was a song that kind of, for me, was the kind of backbone of the whole book, uh, which is Van Morrison and Sweet Thing, and Van Morrison being Belfast native. Mm-hmm. And A Sweet Thing was the, the song that uh, was played at a funeral in the book. Um, but th- the words of that are, are so um, just 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 beautiful. And there's something mm-hmm. about the divine, there's something divine about them, in my opinion, that, that they're just so beautiful. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. So that really fed into the imagery, I think, of the book, um, specifically that song, but not really any others. It was more just trying to find what would what would be what would be around in the ether yeah. at the time, and 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 that was helpful because you know once you know that the Spice Girls are playing in the background in, in Louise's bedroom, it really helps to bring color and atmosphere to the room. So I found it helpful in that way. It was a useful tool being able to put a song in a scene. Yeah. God, that Van Morrison song is such a beautiful song. Now my brain is just sort of it's, thinking about it. It's it's but, a bit much. It's one of those songs yeah. that's just a bit much. Even when I think about it, it's just, it's, yeah. And also, He's one of the like, great strange examples, isn't he, of someone who can yeah. write things of such beauty and then the number of stories where... Because I, I remember seeing... <laughs> Go Sorry, on. no, I just... Um, I read this bit of an interview with him where he's like, yeah, um... So he was basically really angry that someone had made his song less commercial. Oh God, I can't remember. But he was—I just read a thing and was like, oh "He's my like God, the most con- contrary man of all <laughs> yeah. time, isn't he?" Yeah, like he's True. like the worst nightmare to to interview I've heard. I think the key is to never ever meet him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a bit. It's weird. I was listening to Adam Buxton's interview with uh, Laurie Anderson uh, yeah. the other day, and uh, there was. Um, 
and she's a big fan of Doc Martin, you know, with right. Martin Clune set in a corner <laughs> as a grumpy doctor. And I just, that idea that there was a point, because I think Lou Reed would still have been around when Doc Martin was first broadcast America. The idea of, of Laurie Anson and Lou Reed watching Doc yeah. Martin, oh. and every now and again Martin Clune's being really grumpy, and Laurie Anson going, you're like that, Lou. It's just <laughs> yeah. something I'd never... I just, I, it's a weird thing, isn't it? With There are certain icons that you just don't imagine... You go, oh yeah, they would probably watch television, and they may well watch Midsummer Murders. They might, that might be what they do. <laughs> yeah, I interviewed Kalise for my podcast, and she was like the biggest fan of um, the Great Pottery Throwdown. You know, no! <laughs> obsessed with it. Her and her kids watched it, loved it. Yeah, love that fact. Also, it's just amazing if you think you're like of contestants on that show, and the idea that you'd be like, well, one of my biggest fans is Kalise. <laughs> She really liked the bowl that I made, the breakfast bowl. When I got a Toby jug right for the first time, yeah. I, I, I said, I'm going to do Khaleesi's, I'm going to do a Toby jug of Khaleesi, and, and I think she's she's very, very happy with that. Um, I am, I'm, I'm, that, that bit of, I was just thinking, actually, I remember seeing Van Morrison live at, at the Green Man Festival, and yeah. uh, and I think, he, and he did, he did actually do a very happy set. He did a real hit set. Mm. And then he said at one point, if anyone doesn't think that this is just a really happy set, they should go and hang themselves. And it was just like that. <laughs> All, right, mate. All right, of, of the fact that when he's being jolly, he has to remind yeah. you. And if you're not finding this jolly, kill yourself. Anyway, brown eyed girl. You know, it's just... <laughs> Hello, sorry to disturb the conversation. Just to say, you are listening to the abridged version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version, then you can support us via Patreon and get all of the other bits of tittle-tattle that dropped out of our mouth. But I'm, I'm going to, I'm in the process of kind of trying to plan out a new book and I want to, I want to make exactly what you suggested. I want to really make it really viscerally musical like wow. and, and have playlists and i'm excited to, to to kind of go in with that aspect um and use music more yeah well also I love that using when you get... your sorry using your other career like as well right like... yeah because they say write what you know and i really wrote what i didn't know and i think that's the other thing about mother mothers you know people are obviously you know asking as you know as you would you know which bits come from you like which bits are what about being biographical and um and, and I'm still trying to figure that out I mean there's definitely points in the book where rooms I've been in in real life and there's characters in the book that are molded from people that I know in my life but there's nothing in the book bar the one scene where that that, that first scene that of, of TJ outside the university which was me there's <laughs> nothing else that that was like directly autobiographical so I'm now interested in thinking like, right, how do I write something that that I know and, and how will that feel as a different thing? So that's what I'd like to do, I think. Do you I, get any sense of kind of the, the um, there's a great book called um, Others. I don't know if you, it's, it's, an, it's an anthology. I think it's Unbound as far as I remember. And it's um, lots of different writers talking about how they use their work to talk about the others, the people who are very often marginalised in society, um, yeah. there's people like uh, Tom Shakespeare, and, people, there's, and it's a really interesting. Um, it all came about because the 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 uh, the, the the guy he just went uh, a guy called Charles Fernhoff who's really good. Um, he just went. This is what books can do. Books can take you into the minds of other people who are having an experience that you are not. And in the yeah. way that again we don't necessarily see in the mass media, it allows you to go. This is why someone is who they are. 
And it's a lot mm. more complex than the being a gene for being bad or a gene mm. for being good. Yeah, like um, Agnes Bain. Like, mm. what an incredibly written character, you know? Like, what a woman. Like, and my friend is reading it at the moment and she's like, I don't know whether I love her or I don't like her. And I was like, but that's, that's humanity. There's nuance. You know, mm. you, you can't just be the good guy or the bad guy. Like, and that's why it's so clever. It's like... She's so lovable and so abhorrent all at the same time. And it's such a wonderful thing when a book can sort of make you love someone and then hurt you. <laughs> like yes. Hurt you through you their feel, yeah, you feel like deceived by them. Yeah. Because yeah. Mary's dad, I think, that, that's the thing which is, again, I, I don't know what, it, I'm sure this has been going on for ages in literature, but it's just, I've read more and more novels where I just think these characters are so fleshed out and they're so much more than, because, you know, there are points when you see him and, you know, his alcoholism and sometimes his moments of violence, but he's yeah. never a, he's never a, a cartoon baddie. And the way that you play out his story and his son's story, TJ's story, and mm. sometimes those things which which seem there's a point where you go, and now it's preordained that it's more than likely this is how this person will now reenact the things they've gone through. But that bit of dealing with characters who at one point, you there's a lot of signs I read those characters and they're one note. They are a vicious mm. act. They are not then the reason for that vicious act or all the other sides of, of weakness and sadness that are in there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that was something I had to work hard on um, was to try and make him feel more human in that way. Um, and I had to keep going back and kind of trying to, again, you know, not elicit sympathy, but just, yeah, just, you know, uh, yeah, make him more rounded. And also, um, you know, exp not, not, not justify, but like Mary is completely devoted to him and um, always will be. I think a few people have read it and been like, but how can she? But I, I felt quite strongly that she would have been very loyal to him. And um... But also that's life is looking at other people's, like at some relationships that are damaging and being like, but how, how are you still doing? This? Right, you know? exactly. That to me is so true to life. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and similarly with her brother, you know, she's, there's, there's a total devotion there. Mm. Um, and I wanted him to feel like a very rounded character as well. And I wanted the reader to be able to really see how he might have ended up the way he did, you know, and, and to kind of be able to, you know, yeah, get a bit of insight into it's, it, it's basically just like the more I think about it, I kind of, it's that, isn't it? It's an exploration into how, end up, how people end up the way they do mm -hmm. <laughs> by just kind of showing little zoomed in moments of their pasts. Did it, that's what I wondered with Mary seems to be like she represents so many people that idea of being the woman who carries everyone until she yeah breaks. yeah and that's what when I was sorry I, I all the questions I asked I was starting and I, I got lost when I was talking about that others thing which is I would imagine there will be people who read this book who it will it might be their mother or it might be themselves or it might be it might be so many different people where they will go oh this is I now th this is my life or this is the person that I loved and I now understand because I think you are able to go into a lot of areas in terms of all of the you know the, a family always think that they're kind of maybe a normal family we all behave like and then when you when it's placed in a book 
sometimes those abnormalities and sometimes those things you can reach out and the struggles that are shared all of those different things seem to be dealt with in this so it feel I, that's what i really wanted to ask is it was there a point where you you really feel the pressure of responsibility above and beyond things like as you were saying belfast and the politics and what was going on the responsibility of what you're creating with a character like mary mm, yeah definitely definitely especially because it was experiences that i had not been through myself so it was kind of you know you had to use your imagination but you also had to try and um know what you're talking about in terms of how she would react to certain things so you know i went to a psychotherapist and spoke to her about the stuff that mary will have suffered as a as a kid uh or as a young adult and and how that would affect a, a grown-up and and how growing up in the household that she grew up in would affect her. So I kind of wanted to make sure that her behavioural um, choices, um, like how she behaved with her best friend Louise, for instance, when she was, you know, around 17, 18, it was a big decision on her part to just kind of do that. And I wanted to make sure that I, I was kind of justified in writing it that way and, and it felt right. So. Um, I did. I felt a really huge responsibility there. And I still don't know if I've got it right, to be honest. Um, I, uh, the, the woman who narrated the book is a woman called Brona Wah. Wah. I don't know if you know her. She's an actress. She's an amazing Northern Irish actress. She was in The Fall. She was oh. She was the mum in The Fall. The oh, then of, yeah. Yeah. She, she's, she's, in, she's an amazing actress and has the most beautiful accent. But she interviewed me for the audiobook and she was saying... That she grew up in a single parent household in Belfast at the same time as Mary. And she 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 just made me feel so happy because she said that so she just related so much to what she read from, from that angle. And uh, she said that her mom also had some issues, you know, with mental health. And it, I don't know, it just it it just I was just so happy after I spoke to her. I was like, oh my God, having someone from Belfast who grew up at the same time, who 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 could easily have been like that's just not how it was Annie or that you know what I mean because <laughs> I I you know I lived in Belfast for three years I went to uni there and let's be honest 85 percent of the time I was drunk so <laughs> it's kind of like why did I do this to myself why did I set myself a book there like um so it was it was a big relief to get that but yeah there's yeah that's there, so there is a responsibility yeah that's that's so good. Yeah, it felt like it. It it felt it felt like an enormous enormous relief. So, are you going to do a playlist for the uh, um for to actually for, for when people are reading the books? I I was thinking Tim Winton's Dirt Music. They actually brought out an album that kind of mm. the, the, the and I quite like that as a uh, as a thing where every now and again you could like I was watching a different thing, but watching the film Room for Romeo Brass last night, the Shane Meadows movie, oh, yeah, yeah. and it has such yeah. a rich score. That mm. you know of, of whether it's Billy Bragg or Gavin Clark from Clay Hill and Sunhouse and things like that, and all of those different people, and then you can just put that on sometimes. And go, oh, I can just play the film in my head now, and it can take me to <laughs> yeah. a different. And and I like that with books as well. I've started to notice certain authors have gone. Oh, anyway, here either the things yeah. I was listening to as I wrote it, or alternatively, yeah. Um, yeah. here here are here are the songs that can take you through the chapters. Yeah, I I interviewed Alex Turner once from Arctic Monkeys, and he talked about how his favorite albums. Are places that he likes to go and that's that's how he describes them they're worlds that you inhabit really aren't they so it makes total sense that you would that you would do that you know you would you know you would you could make a playlist for a book and it never occurred to me to do that for mother mother so yeah i'm gonna have a good think about that thank you robin <laughs> <laughs> i might do it 
Oh, well, it's great. Thank you so much for um, for joining us. Uh, did you, can I just, one thing, uh, I know Josie's kind of touched on this a bit and you're going to say I have no memory of any books I've ever read, but <laughs> are there now, is, is there, I mean, I know it's a year and a half ago as you said that you actually finished the yeah. book. Was there a relief when you go, I can just read now just for a little bit, I can just relax and I don't have to think, oh, hang on a minute, I need to write sentences like that. Or I don't have to right. think, oh, that's a historically inaccurate thing. That Oh, God, oh, God, that's in the book. What, mm. is, it, was there a moment of freedom in reading when you finished writing this book? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I've only really felt it in the last kind of six months um, because, you know, even in that year and a half of handing it in, there was still six more drafts after that so it was constant editing constant what you were saying just constant looking at my book and then looking at that book or, or finishing my what I'd do is I'd finish a book and then I'd pick up Mother Mother and read it immediately and be like okay so how does reading Mother Mother compare to that one? Oh god it was that like that's torturing brutal. myself why do I it's awful and only recently have I just not done that anymore and it's yeah it's very liberating I mean Shuggy Bain just reading that was like the most enjoyable thing um just to read and 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 not try and I mean you wouldn't you wouldn't be that stupid to try and compare that to your own book but yeah I've really enjoyed it it does and I will mention again I think it does have there are crossover points with Shuggy Bain definitely in, in, in what yeah. your book explores yeah. you also have one of the loveliest covers of the year so far <laughs> yeah. if not the loveliest cover it's it such Harley a Ivinson. beautiful piece of design yeah, yeah. Holly Ovenson she's amazing isn't she I actually loved Avni Doshi's Burnt Sugar That's that was one of my favourite books of last year oh. um, and um, she, she designed that cover um, so yeah I was really happy that she so she did mine. I got the hardback the other day, though. And, you know, I, I love taking the covers off hardbacks and just having them, like, you know, without the covers. So uh, it, it was really exciting to see, like, the hardback without a cover, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. I love that aspect, too. The oh, book my, is as my... if it was 100 years old. Yeah, exactly. So I feel when I see a book like that. I'm like, like, it looks like a, a library. Book. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, it must be so wonderful to have, like, all of the other elements of the book is the object you know okay the audiobook this person is now yeah. the audiobook the design this is the design of it, it it's so wonderful yeah. but it's like you've got all of these elements of the object coming together absolutely it's felt that bit has just felt beyond exciting and and it was it was so helpful actually just to, to have it when the proof came just to have it as a book it just really helped me see it as a book because it just mm. lived in my head and in my laptop so mm. it, it really helped my uh my my kind of perspective of the book in terms of seeing it as a legitimate thing when i saw it as as a as a physical thing yeah well i would advise listeners not to take the uh dust wrapper off you'll lose it and like i said it's very <laughs> lovely um so thank you uh, so much for talking to us it, oh yeah. such a pleasure lovely to speak to you both i'm so happy that you enjoyed the book that makes me really happy so yeah uh, thank you very much Annie and uh, like we said the book's out now uh, it's a fantastic novel and uh, join us uh, next week for another book shambles uh, and thank you to all our patron supporters thank you to our producer Trent Burton uh, and thank you to Josie thank you guys thank you very much for listening patreon.com slash book shambles is the address to go to to subscribe to the patron for the show to get lots of goodies and extended episodes and help us out as well, obviously.
your support on Patreon means we can keep making the show. Back next week with another new episode, back on Sunday with Science Shambles, lots of blogs and other podcasts and all sorts of stuff on the Cosmic Shambles website. Go and have a look at all of that if you don't already. Have a great week, stay safe, and we will see you very soon. Bye. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions.